You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from our children's ministry director, Michael Miller. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I'm honestly wrestling with something right now because um, you know Elliot and I, Elliot and Phil and I, we, we make up this like pastoral committee, that planning committee, that what we do is... Um, we spend the time to organize all of our, our lessons or all the, um, all the things we're preaching on Sunday. And we've we had this Ephesians series that we've talked about our roles in the family, our roles as parents, our roles as children, um, even our roles in, in church. And today I have it prepared to talk a bit about our, our roles in society um, because of the spiritual warfare that we have. And I have all this cool stuff um, for illustrations. But guys, and Lori, I'm sorry. After worship today, um, I feel like I need to take a turn. Because as Candace was singing, that something has to break. It's so right. Something has to break. And maybe my sermon has to break. So like, I actually have a a notebook of sermons. And uh, the one that is planned for today, I think, unfortunately, it'll have to stay here. So this is odd for me. This is not what I planned so I guess we're not going to use these beautiful things. You'd be amazed at the cool stuff I was going to do. <laughs> Especially since I'm not good at this stuff. So I'm glad I'm not using the saw and things. But Something has to break. And that's the story of resurrection. So guys, I want to start. And, and band, I'm sorry because I gave you cues and I'm not going to use them either. But guys, everything dies. Everything dies. Something has to break. Guys, my, I want to talk about my house for just a second. Uh, some of you guys have driven past my house. And you guys know I live on that Cincinnati Chillicothe Road just down the road. I, I, I literally live within walking distance of this place. And uh, last summer, my dad and I, all I wanted to do was paint the house. That's all I wanted to do. I thought I could take a four-day weekend and just get everything done. And I discovered something. I discovered um, from a long time ago, termite damage in my house. And uh, the damage was so bad that uh, when my, my father and my, my, I guess you could say my stepfather-in-law, <laughs> he, he and, he and my, my mother-in-law, they came up from, from Florida he came to Ohio to visit, and he's all in, in, in property and real estate and those things. And he told me, he said, Mike, uh, you need to uh, foreclose on this house. Um, you need to just stop paying the, the, the mortgage. And I probably shouldn't say this because it's recording, recorded, but I'm sorry. Um, this is what happens when you go with a sermon that you didn't prepare for. Um, but like, 
he said I should give up or, or I should just bulldoze the thing down and, and rebuild, that, that my house wasn't worth, you know, doing anything with. So guys, I mean, you could, you could say that my house faced death. Something has to break. Jesus faced death too. If you look at, at Matthew 27, and I'm sorry, Lori, I know you're like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, Jesus lived, he served, he loved, but Matthew 27, 45 through 49, it reads, Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man's calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his sponge. Spirit. Jesus not only faced death like my house faced death, Jesus actually died. You know, and this, this leads me to think about my own life, like reflect, and I'm sure that when you guys think about death, you can reflect on your own life. Now, there was a point in my life where something had to break, where and some of you have heard my story before, but I literally became, I was at the point of suicide. That I literally faced death by my own hands. Because my faith was such a wreck. I had some challenges in, in what I believed, and, 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 I, and I was, it, my faith had just crashed. I wasn't even sure if I believed in God anymore, and I wanted to die. Anyone ever feel that way? Maybe not suicide, but anybody ever get to that point where, where it all just comes crashing, and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I just, I don't know. I was, I was there. So yeah, my house faced death. Jesus obviously faced death, and he died. And even, even my faith at, at, a, at one point in life it faced death, and, and my, my physical being faced death. You know, sometimes, guys, things, sometimes things get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Right, Anita? Anita, yeah. I think sometimes things get worse before they get better. My house, it got worse before it got better because I saw the damage, I saw the death in my house, but then... I decided I was going to do something about it, so I had to, I had to take out nine floor joists from the crawl space of my house. Me and my, at the time, 63-year-old dad, right? We're, we're, we're using sawzalls and all these tools that I'm no good at. You guys, if you see my hands, you can tell that I'm more of a preacher than I am a carpenter, okay? Because like, these, these are like girl hands here, you know? So, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm underneath this crawl space, you know, doing real man work and, uh, and destroying this house. Because I have to, because it ate up with termite damage and water damage and stuff. And, and on the studs and, and my walls, 
Some of those were ate up, so I had to take the T111 off or whatever we had on, on the outside. I had to take some of the insulation out, and we had to knock out some studs. And re, you know, it, it, people, I'm sure some of you guys were driving by my house last year being like, because we were super slow about it too. Like, what in the world is, is Michael doing? Because you would drive by my house, and it looked like it was <laughs> beyond dead. It looked like it was buried. It looked like a corpse that was buried. It looked nasty. I had all these tools in my yard. It was a disaster. So not only did my, my house face, face death, it looked like it had, had faced burial. There. Me too. Something has to break. And, and, and what's crazy about that is, is when I would remove whatever piece of wood and I would look under it and I would see that there's more damage and then I would have to take that out and destroy it more. So like if you drove my, by my house, that was only what you saw. There were things behind what you could see from the street. It seemed like everything I, I destroyed, there was something else I had to destroy. Again, it looked like it was dead and buried and nasty. Something has to break. Jesus went through burial too. Matthew 27 again, uh, 57 through 61, it continues the story. It says, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked him for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock and rolled it a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite of the tomb. That doesn't sound like a really exciting scripture, but the point I'm making is that as we talk about how something has to break, Jesus was broken. Jesus died and was buried. He was put in a tomb. That doesn't sound good. In my life, I reached that too. I told you that I had a point where I just didn't know anything about what to do with God and I got to a point of, of suicidal ideation. I was broken. And, and in my life, some things had to go. Um, I had a really bad view of, 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 of God. Um, I was beginning to think, you know, maybe God was evil. Because I, I was just seeing things wrong. And so I had to, to, to get rid of this toxic view of God in my faith. I had to get rid of some things. I was very judgmental. I was, I told you, I was that guy that, that I carried my Bible in high school, and I was arrogant. You know, I, I, I hadn't even read the whole thing, and I'm in here carrying it with my name on it and King James Version, you know. I'm that guy in high school. Brent can tell you because he went to high school with me and he saw me, um, and Kristen and some others. Uh, yeah, but I was, I was that arrogant Christian guy that I was judging you. That had to go. Something had to break. So I got rid of a lot of that so I could actually see who Jesus is and I could see the love of Christ. But again, it got worse before it got better because when you're shedding some of that stuff and, and your belief and your faith and you're getting, getting rid of those things, it hurts. It's just like when I was taking 
the, um, just like when I was taking the studs out of the walls, just like when I was pulling out the floor joists. You know, the, the, the house got worse before it got better, and my faith continued to get worse before it got better because I'm tearing things down before I build things up, and it's breaking me. I had to do a lot of work to get through it. But it, it broke me, and something has to break. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm always giving military analogies, but it's the same story in, in basic training. Some of you military members know, when you go to base, and I'm an old person, okay, so I went to base training a long time ago. I went to basic training before uh, you kids over here were born. Um, and, like, they would break you, right? Like, a drill sergeant would be in your face with his bad breath two inches from you, and they had those, they had those brims of their hats, and they'd be yelling at you, sometimes even poking you with the brim of their hat, and they would, they would absolutely tear you apart, and they would break you. Something has to break. Yes, there's death. Yes, there's burial. Yes, there's brokenness. And many of us experience that. My house has experienced it. Jesus experienced it, my faith has experienced it, and you've experienced it. And guys, let me pause here. I feel like this church, some of the leaders in this church, I feel like we've been under attack from Satan. I feel like Satan, Satan is, is helping this brokenness situation that we have. I feel like he's, he's roaring and he's attacking and he's hurting people even today. I feel it. I know that Phil, Phil is dealing with it, the staff, and a lot of our volunteers. And I just get this feeling that Satan is wanting to have victory. He wants us to stay right there in our brokenness. Satan wants you to not just be dead, but he wants you to be buried and done and never speak of God ever again. That's what he wanted with Jesus. I guarantee you, Satan was, was rejoicing. Like, they killed him. They buried him. Ha! We got him. He's done. That's what Satan wants. He wants this death, and he wants this burial, and he wanted it for Jesus, and he wants it for you. But praise God, there's resurrection. There is resurrection. My house. You know, it's not perfect. You still drive by and you're like, it's still got a coat of primer on it and there's still a few um, pieces of siding that need to go up and I'm super slow because I'm exhausted and I don't want to spend my day off tomorrow putting the siding on my house. I want to spend my day off laying in bed because I'm tired. But let me tell you, the house is going to get finished because it's, 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 it's well, it's alive. We replaced those floor joists. We replaced those studs in the walls. I put in more insulation. I put MT-111 up. I did replace some siding. We re-poured the concrete so I don't have water rolling back in under my house. I, I redid the back porch. It's got new wood. I just put up a couple doors in my shed that was falling apart. Like, guys, I know... I've let things go in my house, and yes, it looked like it was dead, but praise God, we've done the work, and it's alive. It has a healthy family that lives in it because it's alive. It's like, my, it's like our house is resurrected. Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. 
He didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't stay dead. He defeated Satan. Could you imagine Satan's thought? Like, we got him. He's, he's been executed publicly. All of his disciples are, are, are scattering and denying him. I've won this battle. And then in Matthew 28, 1 through 9, it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing was white as snow, and for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, where you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with great fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? Jesus was dead and he was buried. And he does like what I would consider almost like an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who's watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi show? Anybody? Just me? Okay, I'm the Star Wars dork in the room. It's fine. But, but I, it's almost like Jesus shows up and goes, hello there. You know, like he, like he just, he says, greetings. Could you imagine the shock on their face? They, they, this, this dead man is alive and he's not just a man, he's God. And he's proven it by rising from the dead. Greetings. And they come up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. They worshiped him. They worshiped him. They worshiped him. That's what this is about. Something has to break. Maybe some of that part that has to break in us is our worship. Maybe, maybe our worship is more than just a song and a dance. Maybe worship is the same thing as prayer because when we pray, we get down on our knees and we, and we, and we beg and we cry out to God and we talk to God. Maybe we sit silently with God and, and, and we're, we're respectful and it's a different kind of posture, a different kind of attitude, but we're speaking and we're listening to God. But you know what we're doing when we're praising God and we're worshiping? We're talking to God. It's another form of prayer, it's, but it's different. Instead of being down on your knees, but your posture is different. You're up and you're singing and you're praising. And you know what's crazy about it? That, that as we're trying to basically, we're trying to bless God, God does this miraculous thing that instead of just us blessing him, he pours into us more than we can possibly handle or imagine. As we praise God in, in heart and in truth, when we're really seeking God's face as we praise him, he pours into us. That's ridiculous. That's scandalous. When you're trying to help some, we try to bless God and he's blessing you more. It's like you can't catch up. But maybe our worship is what needs to break. Because, you know, I was, I was talking to some friends yesterday about worship. And these friends are very liturgical, and I have no problem with that. By liturgical, I mean they're the types that have, like, they might wear robes, and they have, like, special colors for different times of year. They have an altar set up. You know, they have wooden pews, you know, hymns, that kind of thing. And that, I'm not saying that's bad. Different people need different things for worship. It's, it's about worshiping. It's about connecting with God. But a lot of people like that tend to judge what we do here. And what we do here is we set the table for you to engage with God. Yes. And, and we have people here that know how to set the table. 
They know how to, to make the lights where we need the lights to be. They know how to, to play the instruments the way, the way that we need to play, to put the, the pads so it's got the right chords in the background. Like they work very hard at this because God has given them gifts. God, God has blessed them. And, and this might sound controversial, forgive me, but I think it would be sinful if we knew how to set the table for you to engage with God and we didn't. This is not a performance. We are not, we are not, this is not a rock concert that we put on. We are trying to set the table for you to have an experience with a holy God. And maybe, maybe our judgment and attitudes about what worship is and what isn't, maybe that's part of what has to break. Maybe, maybe something in your heart has to break to where it's like, I'm putting all that aside, any judgment aside. I'm going to sit here, stand here, hands up, hands down. It doesn't matter. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to worship God to the fullest. I'm going to communicate with him through prayer and through worship. So maybe our worship is what needs, maybe our attitude of worship is, is what needs to be dead and buried. And maybe we need to have resurrection and worship in this church. Yeah. <clears throat> My house is alive. Jesus is alive. And I'll tell you, for me, I'm alive. Yeah. Guys, we're all growing. We all have a story. We're all changing. Continue that work. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still changing. But, but my, my spiritual life is resurrected. And, and I had to go through that brokenness to get where I am. Something had to break. Guys, that's the story of the universe. God's no dummy. You guys know, <laughs> you guys know that a, that a tree, you know, produces a seed, and then and then in the fall, that seed falls to the ground and is dead and buried. It's completely separated from the tree. It's like it has its own burial, and it's dead all winter, and then in the spring it's alive. God did that. God designed that tree to show the story of resurrection, life, death. Burial, resurrection. When you build a building, what do you do first? I mean, we've seen over here, they're making a Dollar General right in my backyard. I'm serious. I live right, I mean, like, it's in my backyard. I, when, I, when, I, when I go outside to mow the, the, the grass, I'm hearing, like, music from them working on their stuff. But what do they do first? They, they, they took down some trees, and they broke the ground. For a building to be erected, it has to be broken, buried first. Then they pour the foundation. Then they put in the studs. Then they, then they move and they build the rest of this building. The way that we construct shows resurrection. Guys, everything, even scientists, even, if, even those that believe in the Big Bang, you know, they, you know what they believe is going to happen? They believe that it, it explodes and it expands and it expands and expands and then it stops. They believe that what will happen is with gravity and friction and all these physics things that will basically stop. And they even believe that gravity will make it come back in someday 
and it'll all die. And they believe that it'll go again. They believe that the entire universe is a, is a pattern of life, death, burial, and resurrection. You know what I think is funny about that? It's like, it's like lungs, like breathing. Like, you know what God's name is? Yahweh. And you know, and you know how you, you pronounce that? You don't? Because in Hebrew, like the letters, like what we would say, like Y, H, W, H, is like, That's God's name. Breath. <laughs> breath, is, breath itself is another example of life, death, and resurrection. <laughs> you put it everywhere. So guys, to wrap this thing up, I have, I have a couple, couple things I, I want to mention. And, um, and band, I guess you can come on up. Um. There's a couple things. I told you a little bit about my faith, and I have a challenge for you. And I want to know, is your faith dead? Or, or is your faith, faith resurrected? And if your faith has died, okay, you, get, you have the free will to choose if your faith is going to be alive again. How is your worship? Is your worship dead? And if it is, you get to choose whether you will worship God with, alive, with truth, with fervor, with love. You get to decide that. But you know what? With that decision that you get to make, you have to partner with God because you can't even do it yourself. God is the only one that can do this work in you. God has transformative power. He can turn Morning to dancing, shame and to glory. As a matter of fact, I want to read this song, and then, I'll, then, I'll be, then I'm done. And we've, we've sang it here, but I want you to think about the transformative power of God, that he can take your dead worship and he can change it. He can take your dead faith and he can change it. It's Graves into Gardens by Christopher J. Brown, Stephen Furtick, and Brandon Lake, and Tiffany J. Hammer. I, and, I, and, I, and I shorten some of the stuff that's, that's repetitive. Is that fair? says, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. Praise God. Praise God. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley, and there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Nothing is better than you. Oh, my favorite parts. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn mourning into dancing. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Nothing is better than you. Accept his transformative power in your life to transform your faith and to transform your worship. Love you. 
thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.